Welcome to the podcast Not So Serious, presented by Marketing Mag. This is the podcast about communications, but not so serious. Each episode, we're going to talk to a brand or a business about how they used their marketing to make waves, not ripples. It started as a single product with mattresses, and now Eva is dominating the furniture and bedding space. Today, we are so excited to welcome founders Ken and Amanda to Not So Serious. Thanks so much for joining us today, guys. Hey, it's great to be here. Let's start off from the very beginning with Eva. The really open question, how did it all come about? I've always grew up in a family that has run businesses, and that was kind of the norm or at least an optional pathway. Um, but for me, I decided to you know, have a career and I did electrical engineering. So during my very, very short electrical engineering career, I've never strayed away from running businesses. Um, I've always done like some weird side hustle in like during the uni days and obviously during full-time job as well. So, you know, obviously got some experience during the time and just realized that after two years and working through time because of my passion business, I was like, Hey, I really want to build something, you know, and this is now, you know, I'm around, I'm 23. I think, you know, obviously back then you kind of think that you can do everything. So like, all right, I'm going to give this a go. Uh, I've got a bit of money saved up right now. The worst thing is to get a job in engineering after everything goes, um, everything fails basically. So I did that, you know, quit my job. And I went on eBay, launched two direct-to-consumer brands. And the first one was a low-end mattress brand, and the second one was a mountain bike brand. Amanda kind of finished like her master's degree from Neosite back then as well. So we kind of discussed, like, all right, what are we going to do? Obviously, with like whatever that we have from eBay, let's look into a different business. So we did market research then. And I think around the same time, a lot of the direct-to-consumer brands were offering like trial periods, like 100 days, 120 nights, essentially. And this, that was like a light bulb moment for us. That was like the missing link to a customer-centric business, essentially. So with our experience mm-hmm. with like in the mattress, the furniture, then we realized like, hey, we can really fuse this together to create like a business that can disrupt like a really antiquated industry. Obviously, like being an engineer, I was like, all right, let's break this down a little bit more right now and see like what's the risk. So both man and I said, all right, if you're going to sell a mattress at $1,000, um, we have to sell 8,000 mattresses to have an $8 million business. So yeah, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. How many Australians do we have? 25 mil so all right 8,000 mattresses to 25 mil great if you can't sell that we shouldn't be in e-commerce as well and obviously sorry for a different day but like 25 mil was an hour you know sample size it was much smaller than that but you know those kind of times you sometimes have to be a little bit naive to like jump into it so um Amanda and I both kind of jumped to it saying, hey, we'll, we'll do this. And that was it. That was the start of Eva. I closed my eBay business down immediately, liquidated all the stocks, spoke to the manufacturer, said, hey, I want to do the premium mattress right now. And they were like, great. We like doing premium mattresses anyway. Never like you doing the lower end site. So great, great synergy over there. Amanda came to set up like the customer marking and the people side of things. Eva was born. That was going to be my next question. Why mattresses? Because it is uh, traditionally uh, the mattress space was kind of, as you were saying, it was really old school, really kind of that like 40 winks and snooze and it wasn't, uh, didn't have the connotations of being like a cool industry. So you guys have been a part of a real movement with that, um, I think. 
Yeah, I think you're completely right. It's not not a hugely sexy product. I mean, like you can barely see it. It's usually covered under bed sheets and pillows and other things. Um, why we decided to go down this mattress route was, you know, one, we already had that previous connection with sort of a premium mattress manufacturer who had already had experience and had direct clients in Australia that, so that they were supplying to as well. So they knew the market pretty well. But secondly, I think it's it's also understanding like when we started – I think we were 2017 would have been a few years after some of our other competitors had started, so they already had a foothold in the market. But we we were noticing that there were a lot more brands opening up in this space, and what that told us was, hey. I think there's still something out there that customers still want. There's still a gap in the market here because mm. there's more and more companies popping up and there's something that they're not getting, right? And I think that's where we sort of yep. found the confidence to say, hey, we can, let's, let's do this. Let's jump on in and let's try and fill this gap. Initially, when we first started, it was very much around understanding how, what do we do with the mattresses that do come back? Because at the time, it was 129 trial, it's just four months pretty long time and the mattresses that we eventually mm. did take back that, that, that got returned back to us we had to ensure that they were always in good quality because we didn't want these mattresses to go to landfill they're pretty good quality products right like with less mm. than less than four months um use out of them as well so that's why we partnered with charities like salvation army to so that they we could donate to them and they can basically pass it on to find it a second home. Recently, and it's currently happening now, there has been a shift to understanding you know, impact on the world, impact on people, planet, things like that, and sustainability. And I think especially, you know, there's, there's buzzwords like having a secular economy. And I think for us, we, we always mm. want to make sure that the products that do come back, even now under the 365-day trial, do find a home. And I think it's it's that re-commerce space that's it's really sort of burgeoning at the moment. And I think that's something that we are looking into exploring a little bit further this year as well. Because I know that Eva does really pride itself on being a B Corp. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that means to you and how um, early on, I guess, in your business strategy, really having that sort of B Corp philanthropic side was Im- how important it was to you? Yeah, it was, it was really important. I guess what it means for us is that, you know, businesses – like us, like we, of course, we have to make money. We have to make a profit in order to grow the yes. business. But I think what B Corp gives us is a responsibility to make sure that what we put out to world to the world is something that we're proud of. We we want it. Kind of gives us the accountability mm. to do a business that makes us think about what we leave behind. So that B Corp certification, it kind of tells to the world that, hey, we we are putting in efforts to think about sustainability and the environment and it keeps us accountable. It's not just purely commercial at this stage. Let's talk a little bit about your history, Amanda, because it is interesting. You have a neuropsychology history. Yes. And do you think that, like, how important is that to you and how does it bleed into your marketing or your business strategy? Yeah. So I guess... Maybe I'll start with what neuropsychology is because I know a couple of my friends, yes. <laughs> my friends and family still don't know what it is. So I might as well start there. Yes. Break it down for the audience because I know exactly yes. what. <laughs> so neuropsychology is the study of the relationship between brain and behavior. And so what I used to do back then was I used to do a lot of cognitive assessments. I used to sort of diagnose cognitive disorders. So thinking of, you know, the aging dementias, the, the traumatic brain injury 
disease, you know, um, developmental disorders, things like that. And then from there, I would provide recommendations based on their results, data, things like that. So how that kind of bleeds into the e-commerce and sort of the marketing campaigns and how we think of, camp- of marketing here is is really embracing a data-driven approach. Because, you know, in neuropsych, it was very much, we can't make assumptions without the data, without the evidence of the results. Very similarly in, in marketing at EVA, we have to maintain that interpretations of whatever campaign, what data is there to, to say that this is actually what's happening, to be able to critically analyze all the various confounding variables that could have led to a, an interpretation. I think that that's where I see the parallels between sort of neuropsych and, and marketing as far-fetched as they, as they might appear. That's a really cool kind of like link to make though. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's like, it, it probably didn't come to me until more recently, uh, to be honest, but I think um, it's, it's definitely been a really, really interesting and a great framework to work with. I think a lot of marketers could benefit from a knowledge and psychology <laughs> as well and understanding that sort of thing. So I, I think that there actually is probably a bit more of a link than what you had ever thought. Yeah, I, I, I'm starting to learn that more now. <laughs> so let's go into to the marketing side of things. So I guess there is, um, you guys have some competitors in your market that do some pretty outrageous marketing. Um, so how important was your marketing team when you were putting all of that together? No, definitely. I think, uh, as mentioned before, both Amanda and myself, we, we didn't come from marketing degrees here. So, you know, it wasn't about understanding what tactics that you have, the full piece in marketing, essentially. Uh, I think we really drilled down to sort of like what customer wanted. And I think that's foundational. Yeah. Like, you know, businesses exist to provide a service or a product, essentially. And, you know, it sells when customer wants to buy it. So understanding, like, what do they actually want? And that was actually key in terms of foundation. So obviously, once you understand what the customers want, yeah, you provide, we find out, like, all right, where the customers are on the, at the moment, like what mediums they are in. And obviously, that's all the social platforms at the moment, TikTok, mm-hmm. uh, Instagram, Facebook. And so, all right, the next question is like, yes, we know what they want. We know where they are. Like, what would they like to see from the brand if they're going to, you know, want to buy from us? And then we just kind of look backwards as well and kind of tweak, like, our messaging. And I guess, like, that gives us the ability to kind of move quickly as well. And obviously, like, as a company, we, you know, we do everything in-house from, like, design, product and manufacturing obviously on the marketing side for performance and creative is done in-house at the same time so we've yeah. got like this massive white wall right now that we can just move a sofa to any single time and take a picture immediately with like one of our many models that you know we've yeah. got them to sign a contract with which is actually the stuff whip it up and you know chuck it on the platform and like change the messaging as quickly as we can so yeah it's i guess it's more about moving fast you guys are probably getting a really quick lesson in that sort of thing as well if you haven't come from that background you've probably have like a panel of experts around you teaching you the importance of that sort of on-the-fly marketing that that is so common in e-tail and social now. Yeah, definitely. When it comes to marketing, in my head, sleep really came from that like 50% off, 50% off, sale now, sale now. And now it's just being completely scaled back to what you guys have is very aesthetic, very subtle and very beautiful. So, 
Do you ever like look at those old ads and just cringe? Like, it's horrible. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. I think it, it that definitely um, it speaks. It's a testament to all the hard work that our team has put into trying to rebrand. And we have rebranded almost, I think, three times now. It was originally a sort of typical blue and stars and moon kind of company where you used to see that everywhere, and then we moved from there to like a black kind of logo. We're like, yeah, we've got to we're going to be more real now. We're not just sleep we're we're Eva Eva mattress and then from there we moved to where the, I guess what you see now which is the green logo it's much more um, mm. of, a, of a lifestyle as opposed to just sleep and discounts um, yes yeah it's very natural everything looks really organic and um and like very natural like that and mm. I just think that that's really lovely to see as well. Yeah. Those sort of like beautiful aesthetics like that. So can you tell us when when did you go from the single product into um, now you guys have quite a range of furniture? So that would have started, I think, about, I think, two years in. So the first product we launched outside of the, the bed or outside of the mattress was the bed frame. Mm. Just leaping from, you know, foams and spring and fabric to now we're working with wood as a material. Wood is such a mm. sensitive type of material. And it's, it was basically starting, almost starting all over again, because we suddenly had to learn about what kind of woods would be strong enough, what, what woods would be also sustainable, what kind of woods would be able to hit our, our price sort of cost of goods to be able to offer it at a price that's affordable to our customers at the same time, whilst at the same time being toolless and very easy to assemble. It was such a big, big undertaking with the bed frame, but definitely well worth it. So since two years when we first launched till now, we've been basically launching new products ever since. So this year alone, we launched one new modular sofa called the Everyday Sofa beautiful mm. probably one of my favorite sofas it is beautiful <laughs> favorite sofas yes. ever um we, we also launched the hideaway tables last year as well as another all day sofa which is another modular sofa then so yeah it's been it's yeah. been quite busy um and we've got a few more products launching this year um the second half of the year as well as next year so we're on our way to trying to furnish the rest of the home with just the click of a button yes you know how did it feel going into COVID and lockdown and people spending a lot more time at home. I feel like Eva was probably one of the lucky businesses that was sitting in a good spot where people were like, okay, let's do that home renovation. Let's do that home redesign now that we've been talking about for 10 years. Yes. So we were, I mean, I'm going to say luck definitely played a hand there. Um, But I think the next thing is thinking about how can we capture this opportunity um and at the time i think when COVID struck we were only a team of i think was it ken less than 10 10 or so people at the time um and from then to now we've gone from 10 to 30 and so a lot of our systems and our processes and how we did things was was breaking like it was just something like oh my gosh we need to think about all this suddenly organizational debt was a thing and it kind of moved us away from you know Instead of focusing just on you know selling the product, make sure we have a good customer experience, we then suddenly have to think about okay, we need to fix all these processes. We need to fix how we can do this better. How we're going to iterate better on what we used to do in the past mm. and make it a lot more scalable to support 
the volumes that we were we were sort of seeing over that two-year period. So even though it was great, it was also so, so, so stressful. Um, and I'm sure a lot of yeah. other retailers can also relate. Like supply chain was such a stressful, um, stressful event for us as well because not only was things not arriving on time, things were getting a lot more expensive as well. I think it used to cost us about $3,000 to have you know one shipping container arrive in Australia that ballooned to $13,000 at one point and it was suddenly eating into all of our margins like how are we going to keep growing in a profitable and sustainable way because being bootstrapped every dollar it, it matters so much for us to keep growing the company yeah. and so we were suddenly faced with all these different sort of problems at that point you know it's all part of growing <laughs> yes <laughs> Yes. And I mean, I didn't even think about the supply chain as being a part of the issue because I just thought, oh, that's kind of great that you guys were able to supply what people really needed, which was home offices and home renos and, and all of that sort of thing. Yeah. I did want to ask about one of your big kind of selling points. Um, and I think it's a great part of your marketing is that it's toolless to put together the furniture. So how important was that? Because I will... <laughs> kill someone next time I have to make Ikea furniture. <laughs> oh, toolless. Absolutely. A hundred percent had to happen because I think we've all gone through a generation of Ikea furniture where that Allen key has almost hurt my fingers and it's almost scarred it to the point where I'm like, I can't, I can't use Allen keys anymore. I just don't want to use any tools. No, it physically and emotionally <laughs> hurts that Allen key. Absolutely. Like we cannot. So we ban it. Like we are banning it at Eva. This is, this is our sort of driving force to try and create furniture that is actually what customers want. Um, it's not just here and out within a year. It's here with you for the long term. And guess what? It's really easy to assemble. It's really easy to disassemble as well because people move. And we want to make it an easy experience no matter where you go. You want to take this product with you to your next home. I, I guess at the end, if you actually focus on the customer, you create a really unique proposition that makes it really easy for the marketing team. How we work is that the, the marketing actually starts with the design. Like the design development product team would have to listen to them. So, all right, this is what we're going to market to the, the consumer. But obviously, it's being designed for the consumer. So obviously the toolless stuff was not because like, oh, it's a great marketing campaign. Yes, it is. But at the end of the day, people move around. You know, people need to like, you know, move away from the Allen keys. And can you imagine like uh, the pain? Uh, I'm sure you have gone through that as well. So once you have experienced that, yeah, that creates like unique um, opportunities where I'm sure you'll be telling your friends, hey, I moved today. And like, I forgot how easy it was for the Eva bit to actually get the uh, assembler, disassemble basically. And you have like that word of mouth uh, going on as well. Then obviously, like, you forget about that. Then, you know, six months again, it starts. And then obviously, that becomes like a unique selling point by itself. I think we work differently. You know, some companies start from the start where, hey, we need unique selling propositions while we start from the back where this is what the customer wants. And then we turn it into a unique selling proposition for the marketing team to use. I think that that's so cool that because you guys haven't come from like a marketing background, you're thinking of product first and marketing afterwards. Whereas I think, you know, a lot of kind of my industry and the people that I've worked with before and everything like that, they think about cool branding first and then kind of product and everything like that comes later. And I think it's this really cool reversal that is working really well. Definitely. And I think... Cool branding can only get you so far if your product isn't good, I guess. Yes. 
Honesty hour. So it's it's time to let everyone know that you guys are actually in a relationship. You guys are together. So how is it working with your partner? Oof. How honest am I, am I gonna <laughs> gonna be with this answer? <laughs> um, look, yeah, we are. We've been together for eight years right now, and it's amazing. I mean, both man and myself have worked really well. The business has been around for five years, so obviously, business came second um, you know, yeah. during a relationship. And I guess it's having a clear understanding of how, how they work and like, you know, obviously how you fight as well and how you, how you disagree because like, no, mm. that's going to be disagreements. Just let's call it out. Yeah. So I think very one of those couple of secret sources is that, um, both Mana and myself are quite different uh, because we've done like different degrees and stuff and our minds work differently. Well, I'm an engineer, more about processes. A man is more about like to say the people and like, why are you acting this way? So that's probably one of the reasons. And the second thing is that if you work in a company, a partner probably don't have any cross- crossovers with any department. So and, like for myself, I work on the back end. I work on product design, supply chain, while Amanda focuses yeah. on people, customer and marketing. So we trust that we make the right decisions for the company and at the end they like this is my domain and you just gotta trust that I'm, I'm making it for the best of the business the, our last question i always ask our guests what local business or influencer do you think we should be looking out for as the next big thing i think supporting local businesses is always a really really great thing and it's something i'm really passionate about and I love to give a shout out to Mr. Consistent who do these amazing drinks. Uh, I think they're based in Queensland. We've actually done a few sort of cocktail parties with them where we used to send out drinks to everybody at home during work from home. We would have a cocktail party and everybody would dress up and go on Zoom and just drink the night away. Um, but I think they're amazing. And yeah, it's safe to say we've had plenty of taste tests in the office. All right, I'm writing Mr. Consistent down <laughs> to my new one as well. <laughs> no, they're great. <laughs> great. Okay, thank you so much for joining us today, Amanda and Ken. It's been so interesting hearing about Eva and I'm sure that we will all keep our eye on it. Do you want to let us know where um, our listeners can find Eva? Uh, we are eva.com.com you but if you want to reach out um, both man and myself are on linkedin happy to always have coffee and talk all business and you know, all kinds of things as well thanks so much guys amazing thank, thank you so much you. for having us 